Welcome to Citizen. 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 Citizen Science. Citizen Science Show. We are speaking to Richard Nichols from Dive Centre Manly. Richard is the organiser of Dive Against Debris, where volunteers conduct shore dives to clean up the rubbish amassed on our shorelines. Welcome, Richard. Thanks, Damo. Great to be here. Richard, is the problem of debris and rubbish in our waters, is it getting worse? It's a great question. We originally started our Dive Against Debris program in um, 2001, just shortly after Ian Kernahan did the Clean Up Australia. We thought, what a great thing to do. We'll start cleaning up our ocean. And over time, we've actually found the sheer amount of rubbish has remained the same. It's just the type of rubbish that has changed. So sadly, I'd like to say there's been a, a dramatic improvement over time, but the quantity of rubbish remains the same, unfortunately. What repercussions are there for the marine life? The, the biggest problem is a few things. First of all, um, large bits of plastic, like plastic bags, can be ingested by sea turtles or by um, whales, and they can cause problems, or squid, thinking that they're food. And the other problem um, long-term is going to be the breaking down of plastics into tiny micro particles or microplastics and the algae and things bonding to those, and then the fish naturally eating those. Wow, what, that's a big one. We've heard a lot about that in the media over the last few years, the microplastics. Um, what other types of debris are commonly found on the dive against debris? It's interesting because most of the debris we actually leave in the water. So if it's things um, that have marine life that's growing on it or it forms structure, often we'll leave it there. If it's plastic-based, then we'll remove it. But a piece of metal... Um, you know, if there's discarded shopping trolleys and they've got growth on them and they've become a habitat, then we'll leave all those sorts of things there. But anything that's plastic-based, basically, we remove. Yeah, that's that's um, that's not a justification for putting uh, biodegradable things in there. <laughs> no, correct. But when they are there, they can, you know, be made uh, creating reefs and things like that. So and habitats, as you say. So, so that's interesting. I didn't I didn't consider that. Um, how many years have you been doing it, Richard? Well, we originally started in 2001, so we've been doing it for 20 years now. It, it's an interesting process. We started off um, and we first called it Dive for Debris. Um, and then it was picked up by uh, Paddy by their environmental arm, the uh, Project's Aware, and it's now become a global movement. So we're now part of um, a global movement of, of Dive um, against debris as opposed to die for debris um, and I think it's the largest citizen science project in the world. Wow really? Yeah, it's amazing because dive shops all over the world have adopted dive sites and conduct monthly or bi-monthly cleanups and then all that information that they get all the things they find are logged on a central database and that goes on a worldwide basis to government to say this is what divers are finding, and this is the plastic waste that's in the water. This is the type, the amount, um, quantities, um, you know, how many people took part, how long that took, et cetera, et cetera. Um, we've got a couple of sites in Mandy. One is one that's dived very often, 
and we see very small amounts of plastic waste there because people pick it up as they swim around. And another one is, is a harbour site near the ferry wharf, which we dive and we get up close to um, 500 kilos of plastic waste a year from that one site. Wow, that's that's a haul, all right. Um, and you say like the Manly on the harbour side, do you only focus on areas in the harbour? Like what, what other areas do you conduct the cleanups on? We just, we, we basically focus on these two sites, although all our divers, whenever they're diving, always take a little catch bag with them. So that's like a little reusable mesh bag. Um, and as they swim around, if they see any plastic waste, they pick it up. But but that's the actual citizen science project just goes on in these two places. So I've been able to monitor that over time. And we have had some we have had some you know encouraging results, even though overall there is a lot of plastic waste in the water. We have seen things change. So for example, now in the whole of the Manly area, there are no more plastic straws. So we've gone from finding you know a couple of thousand straws every time we went to now finding virtually no straws. That's fantastic. So that means that all of the cafes, all of the eateries have gotten on board and either changed to the, the wax paper straws or gotten rid of their straws altogether. Correct, yes. That's that's awesome. Wow, that's a, a really successful project there, something to be proud of. Um, does the rubbish originate from, you know, just littering such as straws and plastic bags or does a lot of it come from excess overflow in the stormwater drains, you know, like the signs you see next to the drains in the street? It's a, it's a great question because over time also we've, we've seen uh, businesses, for example, at the Manly Wharf and in the Manly area change. So they produce less plastic waste. We've seen a move away from plastic waste generally, which is super encouraging. We've also seen the council install more bins and put more recycling bins in. So that's encouraged people to recycle rather than discard. And also overall, there's less overflowing waste bins. But essentially anything in your environment that falls onto the ground, ultimately, unless it's picked up quickly, ends up in the ocean because it goes into the gutter, down the stormwater and gets washed out. Or literally, in the case of Mandy, can blow straight into the, into the harbour side. And you, you, you're using the term citizen science. Um, I imagine there's a lot of uh, ordinary folk getting involved. Do you find there's a, a type of person that likes to, to volunteer um, for these? You know, what kind of people get involved in these dives? We have, we've got a huge cross-section of people that dive. But what's been encouraging is overwhelmingly the younger demographic have typically really got involved and through social media have rallied their friends and we've seen a huge increase in the number of people that are picking up rubbish. So in the early days, if we got 20 people turning up to one of these events, that was super cool. And now we limit the numbers at 100. And instead of doing you know, them twice a year, we can now do them you know, 10 or 12 times a year. And that's probably why we're seeing you know, the, the physical amount of rubbish that we're getting is over a yearly basis is, is stayed the same, but remains to remove it, remove it far more efficiently. And we've also changed our focus because previously we used to not, we used to remove plastic and any waste in the water. And now, you know, the last 10 years, we've focused solely on plastics. So there sounds like there's a, a scientific method to that over the years in discovering, you know, that, uh, 
you don't need to just remove it all, but there are certain certain items that uh, contribute to the environment of the marine life. Do you feel like, I mean, when we talk about citizen science, do you feel like there is a lot of scientific methodology involved? I mean, is it really science what we're doing here? I think so, yes, because um, it has, you know, anything that's picked up by divers is logged in the process. Anything that's picked up by snorkelers or people walking along is not logged in part of that process. The amount of time the divers spend in the water is logged. The amount of divers there is logged. So it's it's very tightly controlled. And also the process of identifying the rubbish and carefully weighing and sorting the rubbish afterwards means that we get very accurate results of what we get. And it's specific to even down to is it a little fish soy sauce packet or is it a crisp packet? Or is it a straw? Or is it a spoon? Or if it's a knife and fork? Or exactly what is it? I, I'm, I'm dying, or we're dying to know, what is the maddest thing that you have ever found, you yourself personally, when you've been involved in these dives? Like, what's the most bizarre item that you've come across? We've come across all sorts of things from, um, you know, a plastic piano um, through to a sex toy. Which we found in a couple a couple of uh, cleanups ago. Right. Okay. Well, I can sort of understand all of those. Um, <laughs> it would be a bit of a shock to come across them, I guess. Yeah. Um, do, do the ordinary folk out there? I mean, you mentioned that the young are, are involved, and with the social media, that's that's fully understandable, and they're great at spreading the word. Um, but let's say they're sort of I don't know, you know, middle age and up the ordinary folk, do you feel that they know the extent of the problem or is there more marketing, for want of a better word, of the actual issue that's needed? That's an excellent question because, for example, if you take Sydney Harbour or around Manly Harbour um, as an example of that, if you stand on the shore on a sunny day near the wharf and you look out on the harbour, it just looks magnificent. There's sailing boats, clear water, no sign of rubbish. It looks like this amazingly pristine environment. And yet, as a diver, when you go underneath that, you're diving in a rubbish dump. It's appalling. So when we pull the stuff out, we put it on a tarpaulin, and we've got people walking along East Espinard or West Espinard looking at this, they're just appalled. You know, they go, where do you get that? We said, this is just one hour here today, and this is all the stuff we pulled out. And they're shocked. They're completely shocked. So do you feel like there's a need for for government to get involved in not only reducing the, the campaigns for reducing plastic waste in the ocean and harbour, but also for the, the, the advertising of this problem? I think so. It's a real awareness thing because as soon as people are aware, you can see them change almost in front of you. And they're looking at each other, they're discussing it, talking about things. And basically, I think that they think that, you know, if they use less plastic, that's a good thing. But also they need to very sensibly dispose of their plastic and critically reduce the amount that they use because anything they use ends up in landfill. Some of that also ends up in the ocean. Of course, yes. Just getting back to the to the science and the data collection, what do you do with the data you collect? And are you involved with other research organisations to collate data for research purposes? We we basically use ours. We, we feed it into an app 
and that goes into a national and an international database. And that's used to you know, help people lobby and help change at an international level. But we also use our data at a very local level. So we're able to go to the Manor Council, now the Northern Beaches Council, and really highlight the issues and highlight the problems. And it has produced some good change. Also, I think as an industry, when we became aware of all this plastic that was getting in the oceans, a lot of our manufacturers now are producing packaging that's no longer made of plastic. So fins, masks, diving gear was always wrapped in plastic. You had, even to the point you had an instruction manual that was paper inside, sealed in plastic, inside a plastic um, bag that was shrink wrapped around the mask inside a plastic mask box. So you basically had three levels of plastic in this one diving mask that didn't need to have that. Or fins have like a shoe tree inside that made of plastic. Then there's the fin, then there's a wrapping on that, and then there's the plastic bag that they go in. All of that's now changing. Oh, that's good. It's crazy. It's just, it makes you wonder why. It really does. Um, like what was the thinking behind that? Even when you're in supermarkets and you see overpackaging, it's just bizarre. Um, but it's great that, that the attitudes are changing, not only for for the manufacturers, but for the consumers as well. So good to hear. Um, so you mentioned leaving some of the rubbish and also taking uh, a lot of the rubbish that, that's mostly the plastics. What do you do with the rubbish that you take? I, I've heard of an organization that you're involved in, uh, Tomra, is it? Tomra, yeah, no, Tomra, amazing. They've got, they um, basically recycle cans and bottles and they work in conjunction with the reward scheme. So they're, they're into correct recycling. So it doesn't get caught in mixed recycling or it doesn't get contaminated, but it's very, very specific. So, and it's been interesting since the introduction of their scheme, how we've seen a reduction in the amount of cans and bottles that we see in the ocean. And it's been significant. We were we were we were super surprised, but over time we've seen a you know an extraordinary reduction in the amount of bottles and cans that you see in the ocean. Whether that's coincidental, I don't know, but it, it but it but it seems to be an interesting coincidence if it is one. And seeing the creatures and the effect on marine creatures, I mean, have you yourself experienced anything like? A bird or a, or, or, or a fish actually dying directly as a result of either, you know, fishing line or, uh, or some of these plastics ingested? Have you experienced that? We, we witness that a lot, um, particularly fish that, that are caught and then the line breaks and that line is caught around something and the fish then, then dies. Or um, we see a lot of, um, not so much in the harbour, but outside the harbour, um, we've been involved in a project removing some ghost necks from some of the deep shipwrecks that have been just a constant trap for fish life over the years. And there's a few of these wrecks that we dive, and every time you went down, you'd find dead fish in the net, and that would attract other fish, and they'd also get caught in the net. So we've been removing those nets for a period of time now, and that's, uh, we think that's made a significant difference. Most of the, um, you know, most of the stuff that we find after big storms can be, you know, pieces of wood or bits of decking and things like that. And we've tended to leave that underwater because that, that forms habitat for fish and things. But anything else, it's obviously 
obviously waste will remove. And if there's any, um, you know, t-shirts, caps, sunglasses, all those sorts of things, we take those out as well. It's not unusual to find, you know, half a dozen baseball caps, sunglasses, mobile phones, um, you know, the occasional credit card, um, all sorts of things that, that we obviously remove those as well. I guess it's pretty critical ensuring that the environment is healthy for, for all the marine creatures. But I'm just curious, are you also involved in actual marine rescue? Not, my, not myself, but there are organisations that do uh, marine rescue. Um, it's fairly common um, that in Cabotry Bay, Shelly Beach in Bali, it tends to be a place where if turtles are ill or in distress, they tend to gravitate to there. It's an easy place for them to have food. It's it's relatively calm. And there's been a significant number of turtles that have been rescued from there that have had, that have had issues with, um, issues with uh, plastic and ingested plastic. Just recently, there was one that was starving to death because it had swallowed plastic and gone down into its intestinal tract and was basically killing the animal. That must be tough uh, to come across to come across that. It is tough, especially on the scale that it's happening. Mm -hmm. um, what so out of all of these, you know, the microplastics, the or the, the the earlier stage, whether it's still plastic bags or the uh, the fishing lines, the fishing nets, and other plastics and, and rubbish that you find, the stuff that can't form um, a habitat and and you can't leave behind. What would you say is the scourge of all of it? What's the worst? That you come across what 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 would make the biggest difference if it, if it stopped being dumped in in our waterways um the the number one um the number one thing that we find is probably fishing line and that's that's a difficult problem to stop because you know people want to fish and that's understandable um, but the fishing line does cause the fishing line and nets cause serious problems. Um, plastic bags are, are an issue. Um, not so much the large supermarket bags because we see less and less of those. But but the plastic, for example, that's associated with fishing. So you see little uh, bags that have bait in. You see the other thing you see is a lot of plastic associated with takeaway. So strangely enough, we're always going to pick up a hundred or a couple hundred of those little soy fish every time we do our cleanup. We're going to pick up little little spoons that go with um, ice cream, you know, the small ice cream scoop spoons, plastic ones of those. Um, coffee cup lids are, are a drama. You know, I thought we'd we would be seeing a reduction in in coffee cup lids, but not really. Even though you know a lot of people are using keep cups, which is fantastic. And then I think the other issue is over over COVID, the whole takeaway thing has produced a dramatic amount of plastic waste. It's extraordinary. Just it's just extraordinary because all of that stuff seems somehow to not find its way into bins, but just find its way into the ocean. That that does make sense, but as to why it's being discarded in that way is is beyond all of us. Um, so I guess the answer to that is really. The scourge is plastic. Correct. It's 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 plastic in all its forms, yeah. right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Right. 
Um, I'm just curious, are there other ex organisations um, that are involved, like some of the folks from Taronga Zoo and Clean Up Australia, Pip Keenan we're, we're going to be speaking to in a, in a week or so, I don't know if you know of, from, of her from Clean Up Australia, but are those other organisations involved directly with you? Not, not necessarily involved directly with us, but what we have found over the last couple of years is a real shift in just general business workplaces. Um, joining us for Dive Against Debris. It was basically just us that were doing it. And now we get a lot of organizations where they're going, we've put it on our website and said, we can organize it for your company. So they're organizing company days where the employees get out there and whether they're, you know, pedestrians or snorkelers or divers, they all get involved in like a corporate cleanup. And they're becoming increasingly popular. And that's a fantastic thing to see because when people see the divers come out with the amount of rubbish, it really changes their perspective. I think that goes back to what we were talking about earlier when we were discussing, you know, you look out over the harbour, it looks so beautiful, but it, but it, the actual reality is very different. And I think also, you know, if I go back to, you know, my generation, we sort of viewed the ocean originally as the biggest, you know, rubbish dump in the world. If you're going along, you just throw something over the side in the water, it go disappear, say, right, problem solved and thought nothing more of it. Mm -hmm. Coming back to bite us on the proverbial now. Um, it's interesting because we, we were just discussing this uh, in terms of what to film with, with documentaries when we look at documentaries and things like that. And, and I was actually saying that, um, you know, sh images of, of the rubbish is probably a little bit overdone. But when I speak to you, it sounds like images of what's pulled out of the ocean does have a profound effect on, on people's attitudes, right? It's remarkable because they just can't believe that much rubbish has come from that smaller space. And when we say, well, we do this every month and every month we can pull out exactly the same amount, they, they, they can't believe it. They say, what are council doing? What are we doing? What do we do? How do we change this? And there's, you know, we just tell them about what they can do themselves that'll make a big difference to what their friends can do, just small changes. We're not gonna ask people to completely change their lifestyle. But if you're walking along and you see rubbish next to a bin, just put it in the bin. You know, if there's a, whatever it is, a McDonald's bag, you know, next to the bin, just put it in the bin. Cause if you leave it there, the wind will blow, it'll go in the ocean and it'll just help. It'll just, uh, you know, make the problem worse. And if you do get a chance to do it, buy anything, that's, that's not in plastic packaging, do that. So if there's a chance you can go to your local bread store and get bread, but you don't put it in a plastic bag or it doesn't come in a plastic bag, that's always going to be better. So just really small things when I'm asking people to completely change their life, but just have a think about all the purchases and stuff they make. You buy something, can you get your, you know, Vegemite in a jar and can that jar be recycled and, or reused for something? That sort of stuff is really what we, we try and help people with. What would happen if we if you guys didn't do this and nobody was doing this? What would be what would be the result and how quickly would we see that result, if you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean if people didn't if people weren't aware of plastic rubbish on a worldwide basis, it'd be catastrophic because there'd be thousands and tens of thousands of tons more plastic waste in the ocean. And all of that plastic is at some point going to degrade into microplastics. And that's the ticking time bomb. I mean, you can also, you know, you can get fish now. They have a significant amount of plastic 
in their system. And if you eat that fish, you're going to eat that plastic. Scary stuff. Um, there was just one question that might sound a, a little sort of random, but just curious, have you dived in the upper reaches of the harbour to ascertain the levels of rubbish? Like, does it start to thin out as you go further? Um, not, not right up the upper reaches of the harbour very often. Occasionally we've done, um, you know, search recovery things there or, or, or issues where people have dropped things off their boats um, or they wanted us to check their mooring and things like that. And it seems just to be fairly widespread. So pretty much anywhere you swim around in the harbour, you're going to find some rubbish. As you get close to the shore, there's a natural, I think, collection point. And also I think on that whole, you know, fair light to manly stretch, which is exposed to southerly winds and things, you, you literally get rubbish migrating across the bottom and moving across the bottom. So if someone's over it uh, and throws something in the water at Watson's Bay, eventually that'll end up in Manly because and we know that because we have stuff specifically that's branded from Watson's Bay or we pick up, um, you know, the little parking tickets that someone's put on their dashboard and then are blown off and then blown into the ocean and they're all dated and timed and we know the location of those. So there are some points specifically where you where you're going to see more rubbish than others because of ocean currents or localized currents, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, or the effects of the wind and the tides. Yes, but it can be tracked. Yes, especially with branding, as you say. So, so uh, you can run, but you can't hide. No, well, that was also an interesting thing as well because when we started, one of the positive things from um, social media was when we started posting pictures of what the rubbish was some of the you know big name brands when they started to see their packaging and things coming out the ocean and stuck there it, it, it made a dramatic change particularly in manly i won't i won't name the organizations but we all know who they are so some of the you know the like the big four you know um takeaway providers suddenly changed dramatically you know, even to the point where someone put their own bins outside, which which was great, and the straw thing as well was was you know was just a huge result. Yeah, yeah. I think the ABC program, The War on Plastic, where they had the episode on the straws, that there was a dramatic uh, change uh, pretty soon after that. Uh, I don't know if you noticed that. We did absolutely, and there was a, um, a friend of ours actually who. Um, started a thing called Operation Snorkel, and that specifically was a snorkel in Manly Cove there to pick up straws. Oh, really? And it, and it made a huge difference because we picked them up, we got the images in the Manly Daily and in the local press, and people go, well, this is just outrageous. I mean, literally tens of thousands of straws, you know, they took out, and then all of a sudden, um, you know, the council made the change, the takeaway people made the change because, of, of course, all their straws are branded. So they were just being laid out on the grass and saying, this is what we found. And at first they said, well, look, we can't control this because it's the end user that's throwing them away, of course, and that's the easy out. But, you know, we said, well, maybe if you didn't have plastic straws, then the end users won't throw the, throw the plastic straw away, they'll throw a paper one away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, funny that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's brilliant. 
Well, I mean, I think we've covered a lot and thank you. Um, I'm just wondering, do you think there's anything else that our listeners should know about Dive Against Debris that we haven't covered? Well, with a bit of shameless self-promotion, I'd say, you know, turn up, get involved, check it out, whether it's with us or with any, you know, dive operation in Australia or internationally. If you just, you know, Google Dive Against Debris, just, just get involved. If you're a, and if you're not a diver, it doesn't matter, you can come along, you can still help remove rubbish from the ocean, you can still help remove rubbish from the, from the land, you know, but just get involved and have a look and see for yourself with your own eyes the actual real state of the ocean. And I think that, that will help drive behavioural change for everyone. Well, thanks so much for uh, all your efforts in, in, in all of this fantastic project, um, Richard. And thank you for giving us your time today on Citizen Science. Yeah, no problem. My absolute pleasure. Anytime. All right, mate. More than happy. Okay. Keep, keep it up and, uh, yeah. See you again sometime soon. Thanks a lot. Okay, mate. You've been listening to Citizen. 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 Citizen Science. Citizen Science Show.